I sound like a broken record, but I, I remembered that anybody under like 30 years old doesn't know what a broken record is. Um, but if you would fill out that Connect card anyway, put that in the offering basket as it goes by, that would be great after the message. Uh, we are headed back to the book of Daniel this morning. This is the third message in a five-sermon series. Uh, I'm just hitting the highlights. All of Daniel is good. Uh, but I'm hitting some highest point stories in the book of Daniel. And we're going to look at standing strong this morning. Uh, if you want to turn in your Bibles, we're going to be in Daniel chapter 6. Uh, if you know Daniel well, you know that Daniel 6 is one of those kind of classic Bible stories. If you're already there in your Bible, you're like, oh, Daniel in the lion's den. Uh, most, most of us who grew up in the church have heard this story like thousands of times. And one of the challenges with this or really any story that you've heard over and over and over again since you were a child is finding a way to have it proclaim truth to you as an adult because we're, we're all familiar with the kid version of the story, right? I mean, Daniel, the, the handsome young man is often in those children's books and he's, he's in the lion's den petting the kitties, right? And, and we all know that's not reality. There's no such thing as kitties in the Bible. Um, the, these were hungry beasts, and they could rip you to shreds. And Daniel actually wasn't, at this point, a handsome young man anymore. At this point in the story, Daniel was in his 80s. He had been walking with God for almost eight decades, depending on how old he was when he was taken captive. Now, I know I have shared this story with many of you before, but I'm going to share it again. The only time that I have ever had an encounter with anything like a lion was in Montana. Uh, a buddy and I uh, were hiking and hunting up this mountain. Uh, we spent all day, and he was supposed to have in his pack some flashlights and pistols for the night descent down the mountain. Because on the way up the mountain, we saw mountain lion tracks. And I, I can't lie to you, that creeped me out a little bit, okay? Um, don't judge me. If you have had said as much about the feline species as I have, um, you would be afraid too. If there was one big enough to eat you on that mountain. So we, we descended that mountain uh, in the dark without any lights or pistols. We had one rifle between us. And we would come to like the stone outcrop. And my buddy would say, start talking. Start talking. This is a perfect spot for a mountain lion ambush. And I'm like, oh, dude, please. Um, they can eat you. Don't judge me. Okay, I was afraid. Well, back to Dan. Daniel is in the lion's den, but this is not the kid version. He is not a young man, and these are not kitties. These are, these are beasts that could whip him to shreds. Now, I'm going to give you a little context for where we are at in the book of Daniel and then kind of challenge us to stand strong. So here's some history. Daniel is not serving Nebuchadnezzar. The first couple messages we looked at, the king Daniel was in service to was Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, this is actually the third king that Daniel has served, and his name is Darius. And scripture tells us that Darius was an administrative genius. He ruled the Persian Empire at its peak, some 3,000 or 3 million square miles. Now, that 
that's not as large as the United States. I think the United States is like 3.8 million miles. But think of the region that they are in. This is the Middle East. For one ruler to rule that much real estate in this turbulent area takes an administrative genius and a very, very strong arm. Darius divided the entire kingdom into 120 regions, and he put satraps over all of them, which is a fancy word that means a kingdom protector. And then he put three other administrators over all these 120 satraps. And one of those administrators was Daniel. He has risen over these decades to a to be a person of respect and authority and integrity. The rulers were, and the satraps, their job would have been to protect against rebellion, levy taxes, and guard the financial affairs of the entire nation. In other words, they were going to balance the budget for the nation. What a novel idea. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I say that out loud? But it's kind of an interesting idea to, to balance the, the affairs of the entire nation. Moving on, uh, Daniel 6, 1 through 3, it kind of says what I just told you. It pleased, he, it pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss balance the budgets. I want to make a profit here. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. So Daniel has always stood out. Um, he could interpret dreams that nobody else could interpret. Remember the first uh, sermon in the series, uh, the second sermon, he even interpreted dreams nobody else would interpret. Uh, he had knowledge and ability that others in his class never possessed, even, if you remember the first message, while he was eating only vegetables and not what came from the king's table. Well, Darius looks at Daniel like all the kings before him and says, this is a guy that I can trust. This is a guy that has the skills to put in authority. And Darius plans to put him over the entire nation, kind of like Joseph in Egypt. It sounds like a great day to be Daniel. But in reality, this causes Daniel a lot of emotional and relational drama with the other administrators and satraps who would be under him. They are jealous of Daniel. And this, what results in the days to come, uh, in, in our terms, would be like the Hunger Games, BC version, okay? Uh, it gets absolutely nasty. The other leaders, they make up lies, and they make up their minds that they're going to take Daniel out. And in the midst of all of their attacks, in the midst of all this drama, Daniel stands strong. He exhibits a supernatural strength. In life, to, to handle the drama of life that can only come through a long, intimate, personal relationship with God. And what I want to do this morning is look at some truths, three truths, that can help us stand strong as well. These are not, these are not easy. Number 
me say from this. When God raises you up, expect people to tear you down. When God raises you up, expect people to tear you down. Just get that in your mind right off the bat. Expect people to oppose you when God is blessing you. For example, you get a promotion at work. The people that you think would be the happiest for you, your, your buddies at work, will oftentimes be the most critical of you. And when that happens, it's kind of like a slap across the face. It's like, wait, 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 I thought you would be happy for me. When God raises you up, when God is blessing you, the people around you will try to tear you down. Expect that to happen. Even, even in matters of faith, you start sharing what God is doing in your life to some of your friends, and you get like the, the eye roll thing. Yeah, a lot of support there. You start sharing with somebody how God is using you at church to to show other people Jesus. And they're like, you? Like you are showing people Jesus. Oh, yeah, right. I'm sure that's really effective. When God is lifting you up, people will always try to tear you down. It's happened to you. It's happened to me. It it happened to Daniel. Let's look at verses 4 and 5. At this... The administrators and satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. These guys thought, you know what, There's, he has got, he's a politician. He's got to have skeletons in the closet someplace. We'll find them. We'll, we'll, we'll highlight them. And the king will not put him in charge over us. Done deal. He'll think twice about it. But they couldn't find anything. I mean, can you believe it? Daniel was a completely honest and trustworthy government employee. I don't know how many others there are, but Daniel is one that stands out, and these guys couldn't believe it. They couldn't dig up anything on him, so they just left him alone, right? I mean, he's a great guy. Absolutely fine. They, they start looking at his faith, and they think, you know what, we'll, we'll trap him there. Now, some Christians in our day have a huge problem with this. They would like to believe that if you're doing the right thing, if you're trying to honor God, if you're, if you're honest and you have integrity, you're a good guy, you're a good gal, that you aren't going to have any trials or any problems at all. I have heard brothers in the Lord say this. This is a quote. You know, I am trying so hard to do the right thing, and it is getting me absolutely nowhere. Like somehow. If we're trying to do the right thing, God should shield and protect us from any attack and everything that goes wrong at all. And I'm here to tell you, Scripture just doesn't bear that out in either this life. You know that to be true as much as you wish it was different. We need to expect trials to come. When God lifts you up, people will always try to tear you down. And whenever we are trying to advance the kingdom forward, we can always expect resistance. I know 
this is a difficult word to hear. But if you are not ready to face opposition for your faith, for your obedience, if you are not ready to be used of God, Daniel is standing out. He's standing up and he is standing strong. And he is facing the opposition that comes because it just happened. What the other administrators then decide to do is go to the king and flatter him. Oh, king, you're so great. Have you been working out? You look huge. You're looking good. This, is that a smaller robe? I don't know what they said. But they got to this point. They said this. You know, you're, you're so great. How about we pass a law, a decree, that over the next 30 days, no one can pray to any god except you? Because you're awesome and everybody knows it. If anyone does pray to any other god but you, we'll throw them in the lion's den. Now, it concerns me that they already have a lion's den. Um, that's just the sick side of the Persian kingdom. Um, they have things like that, and people get lost there on a regular basis. Um, but they're going to use it in this case. So the king, uh, kings are always subject to pride and arrogance and flattery. And the king decides this is a great idea. Let's have everybody pray to me for the next 30 days, which causes a problem for Daniel, who faithfully prays on his knees before God in public, windows open, three times a day. And I wonder, just as a side note, I wonder if a law like that for Jesus today, if any of us would even have the courage to pray that way. Just a side note. The administrators knew this. Daniel prayed on a regular basis. In fact, they kind of figured Daniel wouldn't stop praying. He only had, in my mind, three options. He, he could stop praying. I mean, he's 80-something years old. What's a month off? You know, take, you've been doing this for 80 years. Take a month off. It, it'll be okay. B, which I, honestly is probably the option I would choose, pray silently. <laughs> To myself, not kneeling down. You know, I'm just being honest. I would probably stand there and just close my eyes and pray. And somebody would say, hey, are you praying? No, no, just resting my eyes. Well, it looks like you're praying. No, 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 be quiet. You're interrupting. I, but Daniel didn't. The other option is he could just pray like normal, as he always did, windows open, facing Jerusalem, out loud, where he had always prayed. And that's exactly the option. question is, how do you develop a faith that is outstanding and that bold? Truth number two, I think, is one of the keys. Kneeling to pray will give you the strength to stand. Daniel 6.10 is so powerful. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published to get thrown in the lion's den, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. He prayed just like he did every single other day. The decree was issued, and it changed nothing in Daniel's life. Our first response to trials in life should not be to panic, but to pray. But for most of us, the, even the way we talk about prayer sometimes reveals our, our true feeling about prayer. I mean, we, we say things like, 
oh gosh, all we can do now is pray. That the only thing we can do, the only thing we have left is to go before the Lord and pray. And I sometimes think God is in heaven thinking, you know what, if I am your last resort, you really are in trouble. Because our first response should be to get, we serve a God who created and spoke the mountains into existence, who, who created the waters. We get to pray to that God. We should never feel like, oh, all we can do, the last hope, the last ditch effort, all we can do now is pray. We should be dropping to our knees at the first time, the first trial, the first sign of trouble, praying to our God. Daniel, I think it's important to note, didn't call special attention to the fact that he continued to pray. I think sometimes Christians in this day and age, they, they see a decree, they see a new law, they, they see, and they jump on some kind of like so social bandwagon, and they make an issue or a statement that they've never done before. Daniel just keeps on doing what he was doing. He didn't flip Darius off. He didn't make a big stink. He didn't say, you can't impose this on me. I have free. He just kept praying to the Lord. Daniel resolved, as we look back at the first message, things ahead of time. Daniel resolved in that first message not to eat any meat or anything from the king's table that was sacrificed to pagan idols. At some point in Daniel's life, some point earlier than this point, he resolved every single day, three times, to spend time with God in prayer. Th this wasn't something that Daniel did in response to that evil. Let me say this. If you don't, if you don't have a plan to get to get know God better, if, if you don't have a plan to join a connect group and read scripture and spend time with God, you are planning to fail. The scripture says, seek and you will find. But if you don't seek, you won't find. Just follow. Young people especially, spend time. Start now reading the word of God and praying. It does not get any easier to carve time in your day to read the Bible and pray as you get older and start working and life runs away. It's the same with, with tithing. Start now because it doesn't get any easier as life goes on and you start making more money it doesn't get easier start today daniel could stand strong because he knelt before god if you have never knelt before god you are missing out there is something powerful about humbling yourself before almighty god when life knocks you down seek god in prayer because god can give you the strength to stand strong i don't know some point, you are going to have to take a stand against evil. It could be on some big world issue. It could be against some bully. It could be something like not letting one of your kids play on a sports team that all their games are on Sunday. It could be breaking up with a boyfriend or a girlfriend that's taking down an immoral path. Maybe, maybe you're going to need to turn down some business deal that lacks integrity. I don't know, but at some point in your life, you are going to need to take a stand for Jesus. And if you are anything like me, your mind starts to spin all these, well, what if? What, 
What if I break up and then I never meet another person? What if I turn this business deal down and I never recover financially? What if uh, I say something to somebody at work and my career just absolutely tanks? I wish I could tell you that if you take a stand that everything is going to be all right and it's going to work out just the way you want it to, but I can't. Did Daniel ever think, what if you find out I'm wrong? What if the lions eat me? What if God doesn't rescue me? Those are good questions. And lots of people in Scripture that had just as much faith as Daniel died because of the opposition of faith. So I can't promise you something that Scripture doesn't. There is a risk for standing up for what is right, but I can promise you this. If you take notes, this is number three. When you do what's right, always, 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 always trust God with the results. This is, this is the hard part. Daniel didn't know the end of the story either. He didn't know that he would be a Sunday school lesson for generations and generations that we would hear. He didn't know that we would hear it so much we struggle to find something new in it. All Daniel knew is that for 80 plus years, God had been faithful to him. Some things I think get easier as they age, like standing up for the truth. So it didn't really matter to Daniel whether God worked it out in his favor or not, because the results were the same. His God had been faithful, and his God would always be faithful in life or in death. Daniel, I think, was like, well, if he saves me, he saves me. If he doesn't, I still trust him. I want to keep reading in Daniel 6, picking up with verse 11. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any God or human being except you, your majesty, would be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, the decree stands in accordance with the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, your majesty, or to the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. Then the men went as a group to King Darius and said to him, Remember, your majesty, that according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve, continually rescue him. Darius is actually distressed because he liked Daniel. He planned to put him in charge of the entire kingdom. I think Darius is growing angrier by the minute. He just got manipulated by two of his top administrators. And he's trying to figure a way out to rescue Daniel. But the law of the day limits him from setting Daniel free. And here's the Persian king's response, 17 through 18. A stone 
was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. And the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles so that Daniel's situation might not be changed, just in case these administrators wanted to make matters even worse than being fed to lions. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him So he tries to get Daniel out of this, and he can't because he's given his word. So he doesn't eat, doesn't sleep, doesn't receive. He fasts and prays for Daniel. Now, I don't know exactly what happened down there in that lion's den that night. All we know is that the power of God shut the lion's mouths. And in the morning, well, let's just read it, 19 through 20. At first light. The king got up and hurried down to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he, he, wasn't even, he wasn't even all the way there yet. He was just near it. He called in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continuously, been able to rescue you from the lions? Isn't that a great testimony? The God who you serve continuously. Daniel's faith. Was known. When you take a stand, when you stand out, when you stand up, when you stand strong, God is eventually glorified. And Daniel says this, my God sent his angel and shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, O majesty. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. When you do what's right, you can always trust God with the results, whether they work out in your favor or not. But the guys who didn't do what was right, the guys that had manipulated the king, verse 24, at the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den, along with their wives children. I told you, this guy, all, all these Persian kings were, were ruthless. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. And after the lions had breakfast, the king ordered Daniel's God to be worshipped because of the power that he had displayed in saving Daniel. I know this morning some of you are facing opposition. I don't know whether it's at work or at home. You need to remember this morning with me that when God raises you up, people will fall to the floor and worship you. You have to, you have to expect it. You have to deal with it. My father would say, suck it up because it comes. But listen to me. Do not worry. When you're facing opposition, because you're of your obedience, instead of worrying, kneel in prayer, and God will give you the strength to stand. We need to pray like that this morning to deepen your relationship with God. I hope some of you this morning are just under a massive conviction. I know that's wrong to preach this stuff, but I hope you're under a conviction. I hope you leave this place this morning and execute a plan to read the Word of God, to spend time in prayer with Get some me time because, number three, when you do what's right, you can always trust God.
Jesus, we need you. We, we need you every hour to stand strong. We just, we need your strength. We need your power. We need your hope. And if you are facing, if you're here this morning and, and life is just giving you some trials and you're struggling to stand up strong in them, I, I would love to offer uh, a prayer for you this morning as we're praying together. Uh, if you're facing some kind of opposition at, at home or at work and relationships, it, while every eye is closed and head bowed, would you lift up your hand? Awesome. Yeah, let's, let me pray. Jesus, you know every situation in your house this morning. You, you see them. You know This isn't taking you by surprise, God, even though this often takes us by surprise. You see the pain. You know the sleepless nights, the mental anguish. God, I pray for supernatural strength this morning. I pray for a miracle as we approach your throne together and just trust you as we pray to you, as we go forth from this moment. God, we pray that we would have the peace that passes, that it just passes all understanding. God, we, I don't even necessarily pray for trials or pain, but that you would give us strength to endure in the midst of them. I pray just for willingness to fall to our knees to ask. May we do what is right that we can trust you wholly and do what is right. Holy Spirit, speak to your church this day and may you be glorified through your people. If you're struggling with some trial this day, would you just do me a favor and take a deep breath in? Just let that out. God, may we breathe in your spirit and may we find strength as we continue to pray this morning, some of you might be under conviction because you know that you have not always chosen to do what is right. And in Jesus' name, I have to say welcome to the club. We are not perfect. We're not a perfect church. But we worship a perfect God who offers us grace and forgiveness. The truth is all of us could have been prone in that lion's den. All of us are guilty. Not, not one of us here would have been found as righteous as Jesus. But God, you, you say even though all have fallen short of your glory, we can find salvation in your son who took our place, who died our death. And if you are here this morning, you've never accepted Jesus as your savior. Would you slip up your hand if you'd like to accept him this morning? testimony to go out from this place that others might see you.